Deloitte Private serves privately held and family-owned companies and advises them on addressing a range of issues, from growth, talent, and succession, to the potential and perils of AI. Connect with us at Deloitte.com slash US slash private. AirPods Pro with adaptive audio. Automatically keeps out the sounds you don't want to hear so you can listen to your music. And lowers your music to let in the sounds you do need to hear. Hi there. Hi, what can I get you? I'll have a strawberry mango coconut probiotic smoothie with wheatgrass. Anything else? Extra wheatgrass. Here you go. AirPods Pro with adaptive audio. Available on AirPods Pro second generation when enabled. Hi, everyone. I'm Paul Anka. And I'm Skip Bronson. And what happens when two old friends take their decades of experience in the business and entertainment worlds and sit down with our buddies? You get our way, a brand new show from My Heart Podcast, where we chop it up with our pals about everything under the sun. This is our podcast, and we're going to do it our way. Listen to Our Way on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Dana Perkins, and you're listening to Switched On, the BNEF podcast. On today's bonus episode about the things to watch in 2024, we speak with BNEF's head of wind research. Oliver Metcalf, and he shares what we should be thinking about in the wind sector in the year ahead. The conversation takes us across the world and across the wind value chain. For example, we talk about offshore wind and whether 2024 will offer stability for wind developers following last year's turbulence. We also discuss Chinese manufacturers and whether we can expect another year of very low prices and margins for turbines coming out of China. And finally, we turn to auctions. Following some notable flops in 2023, are we set for a more positive 2024? To access the accompanying research note titled Wind 10 Things to Watch in 2024, BNEF subscribers can find it on bnf.com and at BNF Go on the Bloomberg Terminal. As always, if you like the podcast, give us a review and subscribe on your device. But right now, let's speak with Ollie about what lies ahead for wind in 2024. Ollie, good to have you back on the show today. Thanks, Dana. Great to be here. We are here to talk about the year ahead for wind, one of the really central parts of the energy transition for renewables. And I want to know how you did against your scorecard in 2023 when you last took a look at making some predictions. Well, we did pretty well, actually. So uh, by our own grading, that might be a bit of cheating, but we, we had seven predictions that were correct, two predictions we saw, thought were somewhat correct, and then, and then one that didn't go so well. So I actually think you'd be surprised how many of the teams, because, you know, we're doing a series of these shows over the course of this month, and some teams were overly optimistic, headed into 2023 and kind of got knocked back a little bit. But this year, would you say that your 2023 predictions were optimistic or maybe had kind of a more somber tone? Because I'm leading into the fact that what we're going to talk about today is largely an optimistic 2024. I think we were quite optimistic last year. The, the, the one we did less, uh, slightly less well on was was very much too optimistic. We thought that governments around the world were going to be really positive and auction off a load of seabed areas for floating wind projects. Floating wind is a newer technology during 2023. And actually what happened was there, was, there were a load of delays. These auctions for seabed kind of hit hurdles. And it meant that there was only one auction in the event last year. It was an auction for sites off the coast 
of the UK. And we saw delays for another auction in, in the UK and for an auction in Norway. And we're still waiting for Spain and Portugal to set out the regulatory process for a floating offshore wind project in those countries. So it was not as good a year for the floating wind sector as we're predicting in, in 2023. One of my favourite predictions that we actually got right last year was around offshore wind financing. Uh, So at the beginning of last year, we predicted that it would be a record year of offshore wind financing activity in in 2023. Now, the offshore wind industry had a really tough 2023 in the end. There was high inflation, there was rising interest rates, and that has a disproportionate effect for a capex-intensive industry like offshore wind. So that led to many developers asking governments to renegotiate their offtake contracts, even cancelling projects in, in some cases. And developers were kind of finding out that the finances didn't really stack up on those projects. But actually, as we've been crunching the numbers at the end of the year, we've seen that the industry did, in fact, hit a new financing record outside of China. We're still lining up those numbers for inside China. But it's great to see that really validates our view that this is a sector on an exciting growth trajectory after all. And and developers really made things work despite a really challenging year last year. You had mentioned how inflationary pressure did have an impact last year in 2023, yet the industry still made a lot of progress in terms of wind installations. As we're still grappling with that this year, what does 2024 have in store for wind installations? And do you have a prediction against that? Well, there's a general expectation in the market that we'll begin to see interest rates fall in many countries over the course of this year. That's vital for wind developers, because in the same way that a central bank interest rate determines the rate of a mortgage that you might pay on your house, it also forms a base rate for loans that developers take out to, to build a wind farm. And so those falling interest rates will be crucial for new financing activity and new investment in, in 2024. So we're actually expecting the biggest year yet of wind installations in 2024. And a big part of that story story is about the US and China. So those are the world's two largest markets. So China is is continuing to build these batches of giant projects in the deserts in the north of the country. And it's also ramping up offshore wind build to hit installation targets that are set for the end of 2025 across all different provinces. And then in the US, uh, last year, we began to see a, a lot of progress in defining the rules and regulations around the Inflation Reduction Act. So that was a big bit of climate legislation that the country passed in 2022. Now that led to a boom in turbine orders last year. And we're expecting to see some of those projects come online in 2024. So a really good story for onshore wind in the US. And the US is also going to commission its its first two commercial scale offshore wind farms this year. So a really positive year for the world's two largest wind markets in 2024. So last year did have some delays for wind turbines and things were pushed back in some cases by a number of months. Do we see, I guess, the manufacturing sector catching up in the year ahead? Or are they still going to be grappling with what you're pointing out is increased demand? Well, we're expecting to to see the momentum of that strong US order intake for turbine makers continue in 2024. Now, that's a really, really good sign. But we're also expecting to see something similar in Europe. So countries like Germany and Spain are starting to implement reforms for onshore wind permitting. And that's boosting the pipeline of projects that are able to bid for government subsidies and are able to come through that development process. So we're expecting this year for kind of European project developers to start putting in more and more 
orders and begin to match some of that activity we saw in in the US last year. So that's a positive thing also for the profitability for some of these uh, wind turbine makers that struggled over the last few years. These companies have been fighting against negative margins on their turbine sales. So this increasing order book uh, is is really positive news. And we saw Vestas, one of the world's largest wind turbine makers, announce a profit in their third quarter of last year for the first time in a while. And so uh, that's a positive trajectory in terms of Vestas, but also some of the other turbine makers that we're seeing more positive announcements. It doesn't mean that some of these companies aren't still subject to global market impacts. Uh, So we saw new logistics bottlenecks start to arise because of some of the disruption that we've seen to shipping in the Red Sea. So we track vessel traffic through the Suez Canal, and we saw that plummet since we've seen commercial ships being targeted by militants in in Yemen. So that means that the price of shipping a container from Shanghai to Rotterdam, which is a really important shipping route for the wind supply chain, that's more than quadrupled since the beginning of December last year. So in general, a positive picture for the the wind supply chain, but there are some uh, effects that, that are providing new barriers. Okay, we'll have to watch what happens with these supply chains. And then what does this all mean for costs and essentially wind turbines, what they're going to end up costing? I know that contracts are being secured already now for next year, but for any new contracts that are being secured going forward, will turbine prices likely go up or down? The good news is that some of the input costs for manufacturing a turbine have started to come down. That's part of the story that's helped turbine makers begin to move towards profitability again. We're expecting turbine makers to keep those prices high, though, despite those falling input costs. So not so good news for for developers, but it's really going to help turbine makers return to profitability in the long term. And that will be a good thing for the wind industry as a whole. What's happening with Chinese manufacturers? So you're mentioning that in some parts of the world, they're just now starting to turn a profit. But in China, the wind turbines are actually selling for even less. Are they essentially going to raise their prices in order to turn a profit? Or are they able to find different cost reductions that are not available in other parts of the world? Uh, So for the Chinese turbine makers, that's somewhere that we're predicting a little bit more strain on profitability. So China cut national subsidies for onshore wind at the end of 2020 for offshore wind at the end of 2021. That put a lot of pressure on developers to still deliver projects and they pass that pressure onto their suppliers. Chinese turbine manufacturers like Goldwind, Minyang, there's a company called Windy, and and they were really kind of pushing them to cut their prices so that they could make those projects work. That's meant that Chinese wind turbine prices have hit pretty astonishing lows. So in the in the second half of 2023, we saw that that Chinese turbine prices had fallen by by 57% compared with the first half of 2020. And that kind of steady decrease in prices has really stressed profitability for some Chinese turbine makers. So Goldwind, the biggest Chinese turbine manufacturer, we saw their margins for their manufacturing and sales segment decrease from 7.2% in the second half of 2021 to minus 10.4% in the first half of 2023. And similarly, we saw Mingyang's margins fall from 13.1% to 1.1% over the same period. So we're seeing some of this kind of steady decrease in prices start to challenge turbine makers, and there's no real indication that we'll see prices rise again this year. And so it could be another tough year in terms of turbine sales profitability for these Chinese turbine makers. So last year, one of the things that we saw was that even though there were a lot of projects that happened, there were a few auction flops. And do you think governments have, will be changing essentially their, some of the way the auctions and the offtakes work in the year ahead in order to stop so many of these from happening? 
Yeah, so so the UK government held an auction last year that had a really low price cap, and the sector basically complained that that didn't affect, uh, didn't account for all the cost increases that they'd been facing over over the previous year. So in the event of that auction, there were no offshore wind projects that secured a subsidy. So that was a bit of a flop that auction, especially for for offshore wind. And there have been signs that governments in the UK and around the world are willing to pay a little bit more for offshore wind this year, and also in- include more risk sharing mechanisms in the contracts that they are offering. So uh, the UK government has boosted that price cap for offshore wind for its 2024 auction by 66%. And there are several states in the US that have introduced some some mechanisms in their contracts to link the prices that developers get paid to things like inflation or, or things like commodities prices to better share that risk between the government and the off-takers. So that's a good sign for the offshore wind industry going forward. Now that doesn't apply in all markets. And, and we also saw developers last year rely on corporate buyers in markets where there weren't attractive government deals on offer. So we're expecting to see more of that in 2024 as well. So we're spending a lot of time talking about all of the new installations that are going to be happening in the year ahead and even happened last year. But there's a lot of existing installed capacity. Wind farms are not a brand new technology. And I want to know what the year ahead holds in store for repowering and kind of maintaining some of these. Yeah, so so you're right, Dana. It was it was the early '80s when we start, first started seeing a lot of grid connected wind turbines increase in number, um, and we're beginning to hit the point of of critical mass where there are large volumes of these turbines that are reaching the end of their planned lifetimes, uh, and so. Many of those early projects were built on the absolute best wind sites in a market. And so developers are looking at replacing those projects to harness those really good conditions and wind speeds again. So the wind industry calls that process repowering, so so that those project replacements. And we're expecting to see record replacement activity across Europe this year. And especially in markets like, like Germany and Spain, that, that are, are those markets that have the largest fleets of wind turbines that are over 15 years old. And that that's being helped by policy as well. So previously, permitting uh, a project replacement was was pr- a pretty similar process to permitting a brand new project. So you often had to restart a really long process that can take five years or even more in some cases. Now, the EU has taken some steps to ease that process, extending temporary legislation which streamlines the permitting process specifically for these onshore wind project replacements. And some countries are, are taking that even further, exempting some of these repowering projects from, from repeating some environmental studies, for example, especially if they carry them out the first time round. So all of that means that we think that we'll see two gigawatts of projects that come online in Europe this year that will be these so-called repowering projects. One of the things that we talked about on this show earlier in the year in 2023 was about the U.S. market in particular and some auctions that were won and projects that ultimately didn't end up happening and those developers more or less tearing up their contracts and starting over. What is this going to mean for the U.S. and do you think this trend is going to continue? Well, uh, the bad news is that the year kicked off with something a bit less positive. So BP and Equinor cancelled their 1.3 gigawatt Empire Wind 2 project in the US. But despite that, we predict that there are going to be fewer cancellations in the rest of 2024. So the projects that are at most risk that, that we saw getting cancelled last year are those that have locked in their offtake contracts, so locked in the price they're going to get paid for their generation, but haven't yet secured all of their supply chain contracts and, and reached a final investment decision, the kind of final go ahead for the project. So we went through an exercise where we basically categorised all the projects in the global pipeline in terms of whether they're at high risk, medium risk or a low risk of cancellation. And the good news is that we identified only three gigawatts that fitted into that highest risk 
category. So those are projects that still hold fairly low priced contracts that don't have contractual protection from inflation in their offtake contracts and are also projects that are due to deliver sooner. So projects that have less time to wait for interest rates and, and equipment costs to ease. So that the fact that that's only three gigawatts, that's only 1% of our total offshore wind forecast from, from 2024 to 2035. So again, that's that's another bit of evidence that the troubles that the sector faced last year were a bit more of a bump in the road rather than an existential threat to the offshore wind industry as a whole. Excellent. Ali, thank you very much for sharing your thoughts on the year ahead. You've got an optimistic view, but it's grounded in fact, because let's be honest, last year you also had a really good run of accuracy on what you were thinking about. Well, fingers crossed for this year. Thanks, Dana. Switched On is produced by Cam Gray with production assistance from Kamala Schelling and Lushi Karunaratne. Bloomberg NEF is a service provided by Bloomberg Finance LP and its affiliates. This recording does not constitute nor should it be construed as investment advice, investment recommendations, or a recommendation as to an investment or other strategy. Bloomberg NEF should not be considered as information sufficient upon which to base an investment decision. Neither Bloomberg Finance LP nor any of its affiliates makes any representation or warranty as to the accuracy or completeness of the information contained in this recording and any liability as a result of this recording is expressly disclaimed. Hi everyone, I'm Paul Anka. And I'm Skip Bronson. And what happens when two old friends take their decades of experience in the business and entertainment worlds and sit down with our buddies? You get Our Way, a brand new show from My Heart Podcast, where we chop it up with our pals about everything under the sun. This is our podcast, and we're going to do it our way. Listen to Our Way on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.